Welcome to Between the Banners. North Carolina 76, Notre Dame 65. Uh, we had basketball here on November 6, 2019. I'm still a little disoriented by that. To help me navigate this disorientation, I am joined by Jake Lawrence to break down the UNC Notre Dame game and then get into the Puff Johnson commitment. Jake, how are you, my man? Doing great, man. Great to talk to you after a win. Yeah, I mean, you can't go 20-0 in conference without going 1-0. So, you know, what, what was kind of just the overarching uh, takeaway you had from the game? Because there's a really obvious one, and then there are a lot of really subtle ones that we're going to get into. I mean, well, the obvious one is Andrew Playtech's breakout performance, right? Like, that's obviously what everyone's going to talk about, isn't it? Oh, man, we're going to get fired. Um, <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, Cole Anthony was was better than anyone ever could have hoped for. Uh, there's no way to overstate that. Uh, to, to finish with, I think it was, what, 34-10 and 4, I think, that was the final line. So, all-time uh, scoring record for a freshman uh, in their debut. Uh, beating out a former player from the 2005 national title team. So uh, I think everyone's going to walk away from this game uh, probably pretty jacked up and pretty excited. And then uh, we'll do our best to temper some of that too uh, through the rest of this podcast. Yeah, um, you you sold him a little bit short there. It's 34-11-5. And, and Cole Anthony. Ooh, I'm sorry. Just, I mean, so, so here's the thing for me. That game was very much in doubt at about the 12-minute mark of the second half. And my man just took the game over. Um, hit hit Brooks with the penetration and then dish for the dunk. Uh, then came down, hit a three in rhythm. Came back down, hit another three in rhythm. Um, you know I'm surprised to see they took 24 shots because a lot of it. I mean, th there were a couple of heat checks, uh, a couple of end of shot clock uh, chucks that he had to take because we'll get into it. But not much else was really happening on the wings. But it didn't really feel like he needed 24 shots to get those 34 points. Well, he was really efficient. I mean, he was 12 for 24, uh, 11 of the shots were from deep, and he hit six of those. Uh, and then he was four for five from the line. So about as efficient of a 24-shot game as you're going to find by a freshman at the college level. Uh, and the big thing there is, uh, and you kind of kind of alluded to it, it, this did not feel like a Kobe White game where he just kept shooting and shot himself into a rhythm, and then he would come and go. Like Everything he took, for the most part, was within the rhythm of the game. He was still actively moving the ball. He was trying to get others involved. Uh, he was trying to run the fast break. And so nothing felt forced. And that might be just a product of who he is as a player. He just looks smooth. Uh, and I, but I also think it was a, a byproduct of how he was running that team out there and trying to make sure that it didn't just turn into the Cole Anthony show. Um, he took over when he had to, but it never felt like he was forcing the issue because he felt he was the only option. Uh, and I think that, to me, that was the subtle takeaway from the night uh, compared to you know compared to just his overall production. Yeah, but at the same time, um, you know, it went from a two point deficit to an eleven point lead really quick, and that was all on the back of Cole Anthony. Um, so you know, what it kind of shows to me is that where you say it wasn't really the Cole Anthony show, um, it's almost as if he had a sense of urgency and decided to take matters into his own hands when the game was kind of hanging in the balance there. And that's for a freshman playing his first game, conference game, home game, dad in the stands, Kenny Smith sitting behind him. That was really impressive to me. Just the poise that he showed in that stretch where UNC basically took the game over. No, absolutely. And that's, that's a fair point. I was kind of talking about more in the, in the overall scheme of the entire game, but you're absolutely right. He, he picked his spots and he said, okay, 
uh, it's time. Uh, and he kind of, he stepped up and, and he made it his game 100%. Uh, he, he had that sense of, uh, you say urgency, and it was a sense of urgency. It was just kind of a, it's kind of that sixth sense that, you know, really good players have. They just have an understanding of this is, the, you know, it's now or never kind of deal. Um, and he came out of that 12-minute timeout and decided to keep the party rocking. Uh, and then they forced the timeout by Mike Bray with just over nine minutes to go when they, after they went on that spurt. So uh, 100% agree. He, he just knew when to do it. And look, no one's going to forget or no one should forget uh, when he went out for three minutes in the first half, that's when everything fell apart. Um, I mean, absolutely fell apart. So uh, it is clear that how important if, – if the second half wasn't a message to how important he's going to be, the first half should have been the first indicator of how important Cole Anthony was going to be to this year's team. Yeah, we were plus nine with Cole Anthony in the game in the first half. Um, I, I got the halftime plus minuses. Um, we were minus 10 without him in the game, and that was, I mean, literally the difference in the first half, just that two and a half minutes where he was sitting out. So, you know, a little bit to take away there, and I, I guess that's as good a transition as any. Um, between Leaky Black and uh, Christian Keeling, did not really get much as far as attacking uh, from the perimeter. Black had a nice mid-range jumper late, but, you know, really did not assert himself in the score sheet, although with uh, seven rebounds and five assists, definitely kind of had more of a uh, sophomore, junior year, Danny Green type of approach to the game, which was really, you know, that that was really encouraging to see as, you know, his versatility should allow him to be a stat sheet stuffer. Uh I guess I'm going to put two things on you at once here, but Christian Keeling after that first three just kind of disappeared and just did not really look comfortable or assertive in this game. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with Keeling. Um, gotta be patient with him. Uh, he is going, he, he is a scorer. He is going to get his buckets. He is still going to have to learn when to pick and choose his spots within the system. I think he had five turnovers tonight uh, in part because at times he was probably trying to be too assertive. Um, and then other times he looked really passive. So I think he's still trying to figure out how to be the uh, off-the-ball score that he never had to be uh, at the lower level. Uh, but the talent is there and the ability is there. Um, so I think that's going to be kind of a work in progress. But it, look, he's starting for a reason, um, and that means Roy sees something in him, uh, and he's probably done what he needs to practice. Uh, but uh, the, the, the other thing uh, we'll go – and then we'll jump over to Black real quick is, you know, everyone's talking about this big breakout year for him – it's going to be hard for him to find a scoring rhythm whenever he's playing four different positions at any given time. I think what you saw tonight is more in line with what you're going to get from him every night. I think you're going to get rebounds, you're going to get assists, because he can hit those from anywhere on the court. Uh, and the scoring is going to depend on the matchups from night to night. So I don't think what we saw tonight is a whole lot different than what we're going to see. Uh, he had 33 minutes. You bring B-Rob back, he probably doesn't quite play that much. Uh, but I thought tonight was probably going to be, be what to expect from him this year. Um, so, you know, I think that's what you're looking at on the wing, uh, by and large until B-Rob comes back. Uh, and the scary thing, however, though, is that there's just not a lot of natural playmaking ability or shot creating ability that showed itself tonight. Uh, and that's what we have to be concerned about, uh, on the wing is being able to find those points, uh, especially, uh, when we don't have B-Rob shooting to kind of open things up. Yeah, I think Keeling is going to get there. And, you know, you, you referenced the five turnovers and what I saw really was, there were times where he got the ball on the wing and just, you know, rotated the ball a little bit lazily. And then there were times where he kind of had the light go off in his head where he said, oh, shit, I'm supposed to drive the ball or I'm supposed to try to collapse the defense here. And that's where he got himself into trouble. I mean, he, it, it just didn't look natural for him. But 
game one at UNC after three years at Charleston Southern, that is perfectly uh, reasonable. I'm more than willing to bet that he goes for double figures against UNCW on Friday night. Uh, just Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, know you, you make a great point, though. It's it, the first game, and it's an ACC game against Notre Dame. You know, like, he doesn't – he's not had the, the benefit of the off of the of the non-conference season to ease into it and have an up-and-down performance and learn. It's the first night, and he's thrown in like that. So, um, I think your assessment is spot on. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, the thing that concerned me was I don't think this team played as fast as what Roy's wants them to play, and that's going to be the interesting thing. There weren't a lot of, there's not a lot of rim, rim running from the bigs. The wings seemed a little bit slow in transition. They were beat handily in transition points by Notre Dame, who typically plays a slower pace. I'm wondering if if, if they can learn how to play at Roy's speed, um, if that will open up some things going forward. Uh, and I think it's something to watch uh, to watch them work on over over the next couple of weeks against some of the lesser competition. And I think the uh, points in transition is kind of multifaceted. Uh, one, Notre Dame only had six turnovers. UNC had 18. I mean, if yeah, you talk fair. about Keeling, he had five himself. And a couple of those were passing away from the UNC basket where Notre Dame had easy runouts. Um, the other thing no, is... No, very, with, very fair. The other thing is, with Cole Anthony having 11 rebounds, all of them defensive rebounds, he's coming back to the Notre Dame basket to receive that ball and then starting the offense... Uh, off his back foot, basically. So th- those were kind of two observations that, you know, my amateur eye kind of saw that slowed the pace a little bit. Uh, they did do the, a good job advancing the ball with the pass to try to create some transition a couple of times. Didn't really uh, make anything of it. Uh, there was one in particular, though, where the other perimeter player, who we do need to reference here, uh, they – Got the ball up quick. Andrew Playtech hit a wide open three. He hit two of those, or yeah, he hit two of those tonight. Playtech played a pretty solid game, and that just kind of underlies the progression that you typically see in a guy that's a rotation guy, or not really a rotation guy for Roy Williams as a as an underclassman that comes into his own as a junior and senior. Yeah, I mean, look, his freshman year, Playtech was Playtech. Um, and, you know, everyone took that. He averaged about seven and a half minutes, averaged a couple points a game, uh, had a big game against Syracuse as a freshman, uh, and showed a little bit of potential. Uh, last year, uh, he, he took a step back, in partly because there was just a lot of talent around the perimeter, and partly because he didn't make the most of his, of his opportunities. Um, but, look, this is what North Carolina does, and this is why it's so, it's, you know, it's so frustrating when, when, when you see fans get down on someone in year one or year two because they're not a Cole Anthony or a Kobe White. Like, People hated Luke May his freshman year and for most of his sophomore year. Um, you, know, you had to take the good with the bad. And while you can admit that someone like Playtech probably didn't have the year he wanted to last year, um, North Carolina develops. It's just what they do. Um, and, and very few programs do it the way North Carolina does. Virginia, Villanova, they have similar philosophies. Um, and so to see something like that on his first night uh, in ACC competition uh, of the season as a junior, uh, is he going to do? Is he is he going to get eight points a game and throw an alley oop every game? Probably not. Is he going to show up big in at specific times and uh, unexpected times? I think absolutely. And then you live and die, you know, or you live with his uh, with some of his other decisions as he continues to to gain some experience. Uh, I hope uh, if he can give if he can give UNC about twelve or thirteen minutes a night. Um, then I think that's the ceiling for him, and that, that should put him in position to, to make some plays. Uh, but, you know, he, he is the prototypical North Carolina career role player 
who is looking to carve himself out uh, some space for the rest of the year. Yeah, and with Brandon Robinson coming back, uh, with whatever you might get from Anthony Harris or Jeremiah Francis, he's not going to play a ton of minutes like he did tonight. But if you can get that contribution or really just give him the confidence that he can come in and make that kind of contribution, that's huge as a ninth or tenth man. And, you know, again, you're you're probably not winning a national title with him as your sixth or seventh man on on a roster, but if you have another guy who can come in and give you competent minutes, that's a plus. And those were definitely competent minutes from Andrew Playtech tonight. They are. I mean, and, and what you want from your bench is you just want them to come in and not be a negative. Um, and tonight, if I'm looking at the final box score correctly, uh, he was a plus 15 in 26 minutes. Uh, that's not going to be normal. Um, and, and Notre Dame is a team that Playtech also matches up well against. Uh, because of capabilities and abilities and the type of system that Notre Dame runs. Uh, but you're right. Uh, he's probably going to be the eighth man off the bench, give or take, uh, maybe the seventh depending. Uh, and he'll have some good nights, he'll have some bad nights. But um, as long as he can come in and not be a negative more than more than not, um, a whole lot of double negatives I think I used in there. But uh, <laughs> if he can do that, uh, he is going to – uh, he is going to be a key piece going forward, and he's going to be a necessary piece. I mean, North Carolina had nine scholarship players tonight, eight if you consider that one of those scholarship players is K.J. Smith, uh, who receives the rotating walk-on scholarship. So that's all they had. Um, so Playtech is going to have to play this year. So it was encouraging to see him make the most of it tonight. Absolutely. I, I don't really have anything to add to that. I was – there was part of me that was hoping, and I know uh, Akil and I touched on in the roster preview, that K.J. Smith could possibly come in and step in for three to five minutes as a backup point guard. Um, yeah. Probably not something that's going to happen, but if you get Flow TV or whatever it is, uh, maybe he'll get some burn in the UNCW game. But we would be remiss not to mention the bigs. Um, Garrison Brooks. It doesn't really show up in the stat sheet. I uh, finished with 10 points, nine boards, uh, two assists, three blocks. Garrison Brooks shut down John Mooney tonight. And John Mooney, I mean, basically. John Mooney was all ACC last year and averaged a double-double. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was – I think he went for maybe 26 and 12 one game against Carolina last year. I know those numbers aren't right, but it was something along those lines. Yeah. And that was no, when no, he was he, the he, only yeah. option. Uh, he did. Look, I mean, Mooney's going to be an all-ACC player, and Brooks held him to 10-8 and eight on 5 or 13 shooting, while Brooks himself put up 10-9 and nine effectively as, you know, a fourth option scorer tonight. Um, Brooks, to me, it, look, and I said this in the Slack channel, I may have tweeted it out too, if he does not make the all-defensive team this year, then they just need to disband that award, period. Because I don't know if there are four other better defenders than him or five other better defenders than him in the ACC period um, and he's going to show it every single night and you probably are not going to see it because he's not demonstrative and he's not going to you know block everything into the fourth row and he's not going to get out on the wing and steal stuff and then run it down and, and, and dunk it but he is going to hold people to season lows at times and he is going to be a key if not the key contributor on defense um, on, on controlling that paint. Uh, and I, I cannot say enough things about him to what, uh, about how excited I am for him. And if he can, if he can put up 10 and nine, 11 and 10 in that range, uh, I think he's looking at all ACC campaign when you, when you put everything together. Uh, I love Garrison Brooks. Yeah. I mean, he, he did what he did last year, basically, which was 
collect garbage buckets. You know, he, he showed a little bit of an advancement in the post-up game uh, tonight, I thought. You know, it was still a little bit, you know, maybe hasn't quite developed a soft touch around the basket yet, but was just kind of a very, very, very efficient and good garbage man. Um, Armando Baycott, definitely have to give a shout out to him. Um, his mobility with the ball was something I wasn't really expecting. And the biggest thing that he did for me, he, he was not making free throws. We got Jawan Durham in foul trouble early, picking up uh, two fouls on him in the first five minutes. And his activity around the basket, man, I mean, I did not realize how mobile Armando Baycott was. And that was really encouraging to see because Duke can ball. Yeah, I mean, coming in, uh, there were questions in the year leading up. You know, he, he, his body had been up and down, his motor had been up and down. But there were there were whispers, you know, coming in that he had really committed himself in his one year at IMG Academy, and that he was really impressing. Uh, and you saw you saw um, uh, parts of that tonight. Uh, I agree. His movement around the rim, I thought, was really really impressive. He had one little up and under move that was that ended up getting called back because I think he stepped uh, stepped on the line. But he had his defender, you know, all kinds of twisted around, had an open had an open layup from the move. I mean, he looked really good down there. Uh, once he learns how to run to the rim and learns how to play at the speed uh, that's necessary, he has a, he has the potential to, to, to really surprise. Um, but, you know, look, freshman big men, uh, they typically, unless you're Tyler Hansborough, you, you're not going to quite match the hype that people have for you. Um, that being said, he's going to have every opportunity this year uh, to do that, he finished tonight. If I'm looking at it right, uh, eight boards and seven points, and he left five yeah. points at the line. So, uh, and that was with going out with an ankle injury. So he's gonna, you know, he, he's gonna have some good nights and have some bad nights. But I, I think there's enough that, that he did tonight that North Carolina can sleep easy about playing the post, uh, especially with having Brooks available to play the four and the five. Um, I think that I, I think the the, the two man post game is back at North Carolina in ways we have not seen the past couple of years. Yeah, that that was going to be kind of my next point. He had a really nice uh, backdoor pass to Leaky Black for an easy layup. Um, mm -hmm. He he demonstrated soft hands and, like I said, a little deafness with the ball. You know, it, it, it was really like a more athletic uh, freshman year Sean May to me was kind of the comp that I got. Um, even his free throws, I mean, I know I said this in the Slack channel, but – they didn't look like your typical 6'10 guy just kind of chucking it up and, you know, hoping to make it in. I mean, he, you know, everything hit the rim soft, and those are going to fall more often than not. I thought, you know, really he probably would have been three of six on an average night. But um, to come back from the ankle injury, he absolutely demolished a uh, drive with his only block shot of the night uh, when UNC was kind of running away with the game. and. I mean, everything I saw from Baycott, aside from the rolled ankle, which all accounts are he's fine. He he was back in the game. Um, everything I saw from Baycott was extremely encouraging. And just the way he moved in the pick and roll is something that should be an asset to UNC going forward. Yeah, I'm hoping they, they use that and they add that they had that wrinkle and they use it more than they have in the past. Because, you know, UNC loves their system and there's nothing wrong with that. But Anthony's ability to use the pick and roll and to hit the shot, to get to the rim, to kick it out, to hit the roller. Um, I don't know if North Carolina's had someone who uses the pick and roll as well as Anthony does since maybe Felton. I don't even think Lawson used the pick and roll quite like, uh, quite like um, Anthony will. 
Um, so in any case, bottom line is you're going, if you, if you think loss over Feltman, you're still going back a decade since we had a yeah. point guard who can, who can use that skill set. And that's the, that's the main takeaway. Um, so yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, and, and him and Baycon uh, Anthony have a good, uh, rapport with each other as well. Uh, and, and you would like to see that. And actually Brooks set a really good screen for, for Anthony at one point tonight that led to a, uh, led to one of Anthony's backbreaking threes. So, uh, I do think that's something to watch. I will say the one thing that concerned me is that the big men combined for just 14 shots tonight, and that's going to have to improve. I think it will improve, um, but you know, to combined they were seven for 14, so not not terribly inefficient. But uh, I, I think you'll see those numbers go up over the next couple of games uh, as they get more used to playing with each other uh, in a real game-like atmosphere. Absolutely, I've I've got nothing to add there. Uh, the heels win by 11. Vegas initially had the line at 11 and a half. It moved to 10 and a half. They are very good at what they do. Uh, Jake, we're going to take a really quick break, and we're going to get back and talk about the Puff Johnson commitment as UNC adds to their 2020 class. We'll be right back. And we are back. Jake, the Heels won, but uh, they also won yesterday. Um, Puff Johnson from Hillcrest Prep in Phoenix, Arizona. The younger Johnson of Cam, or the younger Johnson, the younger brother of Cam Johnson, uh, 6'7", 185, small forward, number 48 overall player in the country. What can you tell me about Puff Johnson? Because his uh, scouting report on 247 says, good length for a shooter, smooth athlete who needs to add strength and explosiveness, long-range shooter with quick and effortless left-handed release. Other than the left-handed release, that sounds a whole lot like Cam Johnson. Yeah, and those comparisons are going to be natural. Um, uh, and look, he is—he is a shooter. He's—he uh, uh, averaged, I think, I think he shot forty-six percent as a junior uh, up at Moon High School up in Moon Township, PA. Uh, he struggled a little bit at, with the Nike on the Nike EYBL um, circuit this summer, but he still hoisted up ninety-one threes. He hit about thirty-one percent of them. Uh, non-shooters don't hoist up ninety-one threes um, in a twelve-game span, uh, even if it is AAU ball. So look, yeah, he's a shooter, uh, plain and simple. But he brings more to the court than than just shooting, uh, and he's probably further along in his development at his age than Cam Johnson was. Uh, it's going to be difficult for UNC fans at first, though, because you have to remember Cam came in as a 22-year-old, um, Puff is coming in as an 18-year-old. So the comparisons aren't going to be real fair. Uh, but you are at a minimum, you're getting a multi-year player who's going to project as a better four-man than Cam was. Uh, and at worst, um, still a very, very good shooter uh, if, he, if he has to play the three. Um, so I, I think there's a lot to be excited there, and it's going to be fun watching him develop over a couple of years. Yeah, and with that, I mean, UNC basically has a five-man class that, you know, looks like a starting five on a uh, cohesive college basketball roster. Uh, do you think the Tar Heels are done uh, pulling in for 2020 or do you still think this leaves a little bit of William, a little bit of room for a Zaire Williams type? Um, I think it depends on if a six scholarship opens up. Uh, and you know, there have been rumors that, well, let's put it this way. The past three McDonald's all Americans that Roy Williams has brought to North Carolina have all left in the first round. Two of them enter North Carolina and they were not expected to be first round or one year players. And Tony Bradley, uh, and Kobe White. Um, Armando Baycott enters North Carolina roughly in the same neighborhood 
uh, of rankings. And so it's going to depend on how he does and if he decides to jump ship um, or if there is a transfer medical hardship. Uh, and after Seventh Woods left last year, that has to always be considered. Uh, and we have uh, some, you know, a few players who have some some injury history that potentially, as we've talked about before, could lead to medical hardship decisions if they can't get better. Um, so by so barring a scholarship opening up, I think they're done. Um, they have to be done. The numbers don't work out. But with three five stars and two four stars, I don't think you can be upset about that. No, absolutely not. I mean, we were sitting here two weeks ago talking about Zaire Williams and Kate Cunningham possibly finishing out this class. Uh, Cunningham last night also committed to Oklahoma State, so that's out. Um, I'm really pretty happy with this because, you know, with Kessler and Dayron Sharp, you have uh, two bigs who are probably not one and done, you know, unless they do just show enough flashes kind of in limited exposure. And then with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, I mean, you – you have two guys who absolutely fit what Roy Williams wants to do. And Puff Johnson is that guy who, you know, we're, we're not going to draw a play tech comp because he's a lot more skilled than play tech, but a guy who by year two, you know, you're really comfortable inserting into that starting five. And that is probably the best group that UNC has brought in as a whole, really in a decade. Um, uh, easily, easily. Yeah. And you know, I'm 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 trying to be nice to some of the previous classes, but you know, really, you have like the Barnes Bullock and uh, and Marshall class. Maybe that approaches it just based on sheer talent. But then when you also have guys who are more two and three year players behind it, uh, it's it it just adds to the appeal of it. So right now, UNC number two in the country with uh, these five commits, and that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's something to sneeze at. Uh, they may, you know, we'll see what happens. I think there's a couple other recruits still out there, but um, Duke is is running out of scholarships. Kentucky, uh, I don't think they have room. They already have like 16 point guards signed up for next year. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be another school to, to surprise and, and jump up those rankings. And so, I think North Carolina is sitting pretty. Um, and, and to go back to Puff real quick too, and we talked, yes, about Zaire. Uh, we kind of talked about. I mentioned Puff can play the three or the four. Uh, the other thing that from looking at his highlights and, and, and reading and, and, and talking with people who, who have watched him, um, he seems more comfortable in the open court uh, and handling the ball than Cam did. And that doesn't mean that he's a point guard waiting to happen. I and mean, he's still, he's still going to be a little bit slow on the perimeter and he doesn't have the greatest handles, but he, he looks more comfortable than Cam did in transition. Uh, and, and he's more willing to attack the rim sometimes to his detriment than Cam was. And so I think that um, I, I think that will also serve him better and help him find a role earlier when he steps on the court in North Carolina um, as he as he develops, you know, those one or two things he does really well. Uh, I think he's going to be able uh, to, to step in and, and really help out some versatility as some people leave uh, over the next year and a half. I love it. Well, uh... Jake, as they say in uh, Tar Heel lore, it is a good day to be a Tar Heel because you get to one and know in the ACC. You maybe close out the 2020 recruiting class, and I got to talk to you. So, I mean, that's that's three for three right there, man. Um, what do you have coming to Tar Heel blog uh, this coming week as this is going to post Wednesday night into Thursday morning? So I'll handle the recruiting recap for the week. Uh, we post that always Thursday or Friday. I think it's coming out on Friday this week. Uh, just a rundown of, of of all the happenings. So obviously Puff will be in there, some football news. 
Uh, and then uh, I think I have the three things learned um, for after the UNC Wilmington game uh, over the weekend. Uh, now the football has the weekend off. So uh, a couple of those coming up. And then uh, now that basketball started, we'll see if I can get some basketball analysis, fun pieces, film reviews, that kind of stuff, if I can find the time. There you go. Yeah, uh, you know me. I'm still in football mode until football season ends, and then I can really dive in with uh, two feet here. But you know what? I've, I've got to say it's kind of refreshing to have an opener on a Wednesday night, a game of some note, and a game that the Tar Heels won. So I'm going to take the rest of the week off from podcasting, at least uh, for Tar Heel blog. So there will be no football preview of any sort this week because, you know, the Heels don't play. I just don't have time for it. But we will definitely be back uh, probably to wrap up the rest of the week that was. Uh, we're not going to do an immediate post game for the UNCW game unless, you know, we go to UNCW and lose or something. But knock on wood, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, well, we're not going to be able to watch it, which always uh, makes me a little nervous because the first UNC game I recall actively not watching was when we played Weber State back in like the 99 NCAA tournament. So. We'll see how that goes. Um, Jake, I appreciate you joining me here after the UNC 76, Notre Dame 65 win here on Wednesday night. I appreciate all of y'all listening. Go ahead. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do so, I will read it on the air. I did not check to see if we had any new ones because, frankly, y'all have been slacking. So go ahead and do that. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, keep it locked and go Heels.